It's great to see you this morning. We have several who are away. You get this time of year and people think they can go on vacations and stuff. So we got several who are away and traveling. We've got several who are dealing with illness and under the weather and some with long-term uh, physical problems. So uh, just remember, it's a point we make often, pray for every member of the congregation uh, every week. And uh, yeah, and definitely, you know, I was at camp this last week, came back so I could be here Wednesday and then uh, went back over there at the end of the week. So I told the people uh, about Dakota being restored and Tim putting on Christ in baptism. So we all uh, enjoy that. You know, I think I read somewhere when that happens, all the angels in heaven rejoice. That sounds like over in Luke 15, doesn't it? And uh, so what a great thing that is. I hope I see them today and we will get uh, some contact information out so that we can call or text, get a hold of them somehow and encourage them. Let me remind you something before we get in our lesson though. We pray for growth, right? We pray that we reach loss with the gospel. Well, let me ask you something. So you have grandchildren, let's say, and one of them is three months old and one of them is 12 years old and they spend the night with you. Which one requires more care and work? Well, you want to smack the 12 year old. No, the three month old, you got to help everything, don't you? So when you get a new babe in Christ, whatever you've been doing, listen to me, this poor grammar, but it'll get the point across, ain't enough. So we've all got to pick it up a notch or two. They're not in need because of rebellion. They're in need because of uh, being new Christians. And so that's great. Uh, if you would, grab your Bibles and turn over this passage. In just a moment, I'm going to get to it. But when I get done with verse 11, I'm not done because I'm also going to mention uh, at least verse 13. So we'll also go 13 and 14 together because I got to looking through it when I had time at camp to do personal study and stuff. I got to breaking down the book of Titus. I said, I can't break all these down in two verse groups. I'll be in Titus forever. So uh, anyway, so it is uh, great. Mentioned it a little bit that Dakota was restored and Tim put on Christ in baptism and the church said, amen. amen. That's a great thing. It's, it's so wonderful, the blessings that we have in Christ. John uh, 15 and verse 5 says, uh, without, 14, 5, 15, 5, without me you can do nothing. And so with Christ all things are possible. And we can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It seems like I've read that before too in Philippians 4 and verse 13. But uh, look at these, these verses, they're so big and so... For there are many rebellious men. Is that true here in 2022? Now do understand a lot of this he's going to be talking about internally within the religious world. And even sometimes within the church. There are many rebellious empty talkers. Yeah, I, I hear them all the time. Every time I turn the TV on I hear a bunch of empty talkers. They make a lot of noise but they don't really say anything. You know when they get done I don't know any more than when they started. And a lot of religious people are that way too. You know, I remember listening to a sermon a long time ago when I was young, and this guy was a powerful public speaker. He was. And afterwards, someone says, wasn't that the best sermon you ever heard? I didn't hear a sermon. The guy can flat tell some stories. 
He's one of the best storytellers I ever heard, but he's the poorest excuse for a preacher I have ever seen or heard. Because he only loosely mentioned one passage. We never turned to it in the Bible. And even the point he made from it doesn't even fit within the context of the verse. And I was only 17 years old then, and I could see that much. And I think, how ridiculous. So empty talkers. And then he's talking about those of Judaism, because they're trying to bind some things on Christians. Kind of like Ben brought up today in his class. I don't live under the old... First of all, if all that law of Moses and all that Old Testament, I know because I could show you, was given to the Jews, and I'm a Gentile. As far as I know, there's no Jewish blood in my entire a genealogy till you get back a long, long ways. You got to get pretty close to Noah or something before you get to it. But anyway, I'm far removed from that. So that law wasn't given to me. Just like um, the law, I don't care where you pick any country you want. Um, in Germany, I'm not bound to the law of Germany. I'm, I don't live in Germany. Now, I've been to Germany and then I was bound to it while I was there because I was in its jurisdiction. But the law of Moses was nailed to the cross. This was covered in class this morning. How important that is. So I'm not going to go through all this bit by bit at first, but if you've got your Bibles open there in Titus chapter 1, remember he just finished going through the qualification of elders, and the last thing he said there was they have to, in verse 9, hold fast the faithful word which is in accordance with the teaching, that's the New Testament, so that he will be able to both exhort in sound doctrine and refute those who contradict. This next portion of Scripture is about contradictors. Those who contradict, those who speak against, contrary to the Word of God. I think some translations read gainsayer. So you look at that, got to be able to speak up. And that's a bunch of garbage, and this is why. And here's the book, the chapter, and the verse. Anyone that knows me knows I'm always a guy. Well, if you don't have a Bible, here's mine. You said that's what it says, just show me. I wasn't even born in Missouri, but show me. I just need the book, the chapter, and the verse so I can read it for myself. And if you don't have it, that's opinion. You know what your opinion's worth? Same thing my opinion's worth. Not much. But God's Word has all authority. And so we're going to hold on to this. I just want to see what the Bible says, because not everyone who says they're telling you the truth isn't telling you the truth. So then he goes on and says, For there are many rebellious men, empty talkers, deceivers, especially the circumstances, who must be silenced. Why? Because they're upsetting whole families, teaching things that should not be, that they should not teach. And you know why? For sordid gain. For monetary gain. That's why they're preaching, for monetary gain. Uh, it's sometimes interesting, and sometimes people will have that made known to them, what some, I'll just use this, and it isn't just them, but some televangelists make. I mean, some of them are millionaires. And, you know, I'll send you this little cloth if you send me 20 bucks. It's, I'll pray over it, and you can have this little prayer cloth. And, I, you know, you can make a lot of money. I guess I can um, do a GoFundMe page for the poor preacher that can't even grow hair. And, <laughs> I mean, you can do whatever, but people are using something they say is the truth 
for monetary gain. And they're not even, and in our world today, in the United States of America, I'll tell you what's the most popular, I'm going to use this word pretty loose, Christian, it's not really Christian, but that which falls under that heading in America, teaching there is health and wealth. If you're faithful to the Lord, you'll always be healthy. So our members that are sick, them sinners, they better straighten up. You know, I mean, uh, that's what you're saying, right? Because the only reason you get sick, now don't get me wrong, you can commit sins that'll make you sick and should make you sick, but also some godly, godly people get sick. I mean, when you read Philippians chapter 1, was Paul sick? He must have been one ungodly fella. Well, he was prior in his life, but he wasn't then. And then wealth, what do you do to that poor old widow woman? Only had two pence she could scrape together. And what do you do about Lazarus, who was sick and poor, living outside somebody's gate? First of all, it makes no, as soon as they start preaching that, where do you get this garbage? Do you, do you only read a little, you just pull one passage out and use it however you want. That is exactly what they do. So he's telling Titus, Titus, a young gospel preacher. Decades ago, I was a young gospel preacher. He says, I don't care your age, you're going to stand up and teach it anyway. And so you think about that. He, boy, Timothy and Titus, both men, he's giving them, putting them in a tough situation. He's saying, this is what's going to happen, but this is what you have to do. And I think it's interesting when you look, how can they deceive people? How come people don't know them for who they are? Well, I don't have time to cover that real thoroughly, but turn with me to one passage over in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Um, I better go to 1 Corinthians. It's not going to be where I want. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Let's see, let's uh, just go down here to about uh, verse 13. Let me tie in 12, it'll make more sense. But what I am doing, I will continue to do so that I may cut off opportunity from those who desire the opportunity to regard you just as we are in the matter about which they are boasting. He's, so he goes on and says, For such men are false prophets, uh, deceitful workers, and they disguise, what's the purpose of a disguise? To make someone believe you are something you are not. They disguise themselves. Well, let's see what they're disguising themselves as. They disguise themselves as angels of light. So they're disguising themselves. They look, they wear nice ties with moose on them. They wear a jacket. They come to church. They use Bible words. They disguise themselves well, but they're really not angels of light. They're really not speakers of the truth. They're false prophets, false apostles. They're false teachers. So you have to examine things closely, don't you? Everyone who says they're something, just because they say they're that, doesn't make them that. But look what he goes on in the next verse. This is important. So he says, no wonder. No wonder. Think about this. We should not be fooled, but no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. What? When you first meet Satan, he's disguising himself, isn't he? When you read about him first thing in the Bible, he just looks like every other serpent. 
Satan, he's a disguiser. Because, you know, if you just come up to, now I tell you what, I'm a false teacher, so listen to me well, because I'm going to lead you all straight to hell. Now, if they got up and said that, what? What I'm going to, I'm going to tell you it's what the Bible says, but it's really not what the Bible says or means. But listen to me anyway. We're just going to start walking out the door. This dude is a nut. Okay, that makes sense. So they disguise themselves, false teachers. Oh, they sound real holy and real. But what about this verse? What about this verse? So you got to teach what the Bible says. So you know what we got to do when people, and I think it's good to be challenged in your faith because it makes you stronger and have to defend it. I think, well, Hebrews, excuse me, uh, 1 Peter 3 and verse 15 says, we need to be ready to give an answer for the hope that is in us. How often? Always being ready. So we got to know the book. So we go back to Titus here, and we see that he says there's going to be many rebellious, empty teachers. They need to be silenced. And here's why. Because they're lying to people, and a lot of people believe it's the truth. Now, here's something that gets to me from James chapter 3. I think about it every time I teach and every time before I preach. You know who here right now is going to receive the strictest judgment for what's taught here? Right now, it's this guy. Whoever's teaching. And a while ago, Ben was up here. So it was Ben. Now, you have a responsibility to check it out and know it. But if we teach, I'll use me and Ben since he was the teacher in the class today and I'm the preacher this morning. So we do that and we teach something that is not true, not the Bible. And you accept it as though it's true. You're going to have to accept it, have to answer for accepting what's not true. But who has to accept not only for what he taught, but for what other people believe? I'm telling you, when you're going to say the Bible said something, you better accurately say what it says, and you better accurately use it in the context in which it's said. You know, every once in a while, I'll pull out uh, Ecclesiastes 10:19. You just want to pull something out of the air and use it. You know, part of Ecclesiastes 10.19 says this, money's the answer to everything. Therefore, you don't need to worry about anything. Money will answer, just give me more money. We can fix the whole thing. Well, that's not how that verse comes in. As a matter of fact, you can have all the money in the world. And the man who wrote the book, who God inspired to write the book, knew a lot about money because his name uh, happens to be a fellow who was the wealthiest man on the planet. And he says, in the end, vanity, vanity. And then the conclusion of the whole matter when you get to the end of the book is what? Hear God, fear God, and keep His commandments. This is a whole duty of man. So, you know, you can pull anything out. It still aggravates me people want to pull John 3, 16 out of the rest of the chapter. I said, what are you doing? So, all you, all you got to do is believe in Jesus. What, did you read the first part of the chapter? Did you read the last part of the chapter? You don't even know what the rest of the chapter says? Well, then why, can you, why would you use this verse? Because everybody, that's the devil's work. You can take a truth and it standing by itself. Have you heard this? And I think as Christians, we need to remember this. You've heard it from me. We're going to teach the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Because if you leave some out, it's not the truth. And if you add something to it, it's not the truth. So you got to make sure it's the truth. That's what's happening here. They're adding things and they're overstating their case. Even look, it says in verse 12, one of themselves, a prophet of their own. Here's what that prophet said. 
Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, and lazy gluttons. And he says this testimony is true. I really don't think it's a testimony that all Cretans are liars. The, the truth is that their prophets said they all are. Have you ever heard people? Well, this kind of, I don't know. I grew up, and, and I don't believe this, but I grew up in south, southern Kansas. And, you know, so I grew up in big, when I grew up, big cowboy Indian stuff, okay? And there's a lot of white boys where I grew up that said every Indian was this. Every Indian's a drunk. Well, that's not true. You know, it doesn't have anything to do with the color of your skin or your race or anything like that. And that's not true either. Might be a bunch of them that are, but you've overstated your case. Therefore, what you said is false. Do people do that with the Bible? And he says, so let's understand this testimony is true. So what are you supposed to do for this reason? Reprove them severely. We'll get to that in just a moment. Reprove them severely. But they must be silenced. How do we do that? Now, when I was young and hothead and didn't live like a Christian should, you do this right in their mouth. That's how you silence. Because when they're bleeding and spitting blood, they don't talk. That's not what it's talking about. That would be contrary to Christian living. So how do we silence them? How are they silenced? Let's look at just a couple of passages. Maybe we won't have time for one. Uh, Romans 16. Romans 16. If you go over there and anytime you think I'm using a passage, doesn't fit where it says, you just tell me later and we'll look at it. In verse 17, he says, Now I urge you, brethren, keep your eyes on those who cause dissensions and hindrances. Is that false teaching and strife? Yeah. Contrary to the teaching you've learned, and turn away from them. So if you're going to be teaching something that isn't false, can I silence you just by walking away? I don't hear you anymore. Is that what he just said? Turn away from them. Some translations read, avoid them. Some translations, early translations, I got one in my office. Well, I really don't have an office right now. In, my, in, my, in a box in my basement right now. The uh, King James, it was written like in, was printed like in 1760-something. It's old. But the word it uses there is shun them. Okay? The word literally means if you see them come and turn and go the other way. Don't have to listen to them anymore. How do you silence them? You just leave. They can talk, but they don't, you know, you can put a person out, you know, I lived in Alaska and hunted there. I can take you out places. We can drop you off in a plane and you can scream and yell all you want. No one can hear you. That's the point. If he doesn't have an audience, who cares what he says? Because he's not affecting anybody. That's the point. You need to tell people, get away from them. People think that's harsh. Take it up with God. He's the one who said it. And I can give you a lot of other passages that say that also. Matter of fact, while you're here in Titus, uh, let's look at a couple of places in Titus. Um, go to Titus 2 and um, verse 15. He says, These things speak, exhort, and reprove with all authority. Let no one disregard you. Is he talking about everything he's just said? Don't back off. Tell them what I told you to say, and you tell it it's all authority. You know why? Because it's the Word of God. It has all authority. It, I don't have much any real authority, but God's Word has all authority. Now, if you jump on over a little later in Titus, Titus chapter 3, verses 9 and 10, he, you can see this is kind of something he's, Titus is going to have to deal with a lot. 
He says, reject a factious man, that's one who causes strife, after the first and second warning. So you mess around with them, you, know, you warn them once, you warn them twice, you're done. He says, knowing that such men are perverted, I'm pretty sure it's not good to be a pervert, perverted and is sinning, being self-condemned. What's he perverting? He's perverting God's law. That's the worst thing you can pervert because it's holy and righteous and true. So we, we have to remember when we go back to Titus 1, he says, with uh, their prophet, he's speaking these things. It says, for this reason, reprove them severely so that they may be sound in the faith. You want them to correct themselves, right? We want to save them. But we also don't want them to keep teaching that because they'll condemn others. He says, not paying attention to Jewish myths and commandments of men who turn away from the truth. Hmm. Turn away from the truth. Now that reminds me of another passage. Go, go back to uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy 4. I love this passage. You know I do, and we've looked at it so many times. But when it talks about they've turned away from the truth, how do you do that? I can just quit coming to church services. Just quit attending. Quit reading the Bible. Quit studying the Bible. You turned away from the truth then, didn't you? I can just quit living like a Christian and live ungodly, and you turned away from the truth. There's plenty. I can find someone who... I tell you what, in religion, you can find someone who will teach exactly what you want. You can shop around. I bet you if I wanted to, I could shop around till I found some group that says, um, you know, the most godly thing you can do is eat chocolate cake. I bet if I looked long enough, I could find them. I mean, because they tell you all kinds of crazy stuff. What? Where do you get this stuff? You can shop till you find someone that says, no matter what you're doing, you're okay. Don't worry about it. God will accept anyone. Well, God will accept anyone who does His will. God will reject everyone who doesn't. If you want a passage, you guys remember Matthew 7, 21, not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, we're into the kingdom of heaven, but what? He who does the will. Of, where do I find His will? He says, Kindle ain't very bright. We better write it down so He can read it. So I've got it right here. This is God's will. Not it isn't God's will because your mama said so. And I'm not, anyone knows how I feel about my mama. I'm not disrespecting anybody's mama. My mama told me, but she wasn't the authority. And she would have been the first person who said she wasn't the authority on that. No, we need to go to the book. This is what the Bible says. And you guys have also heard me say so many times, and it's why we got to go to the book, because, well, Jesus would tell us your word, the word of God is truth. And you've heard me say this so many times, if you know the truth, error's obvious. Okay? So let's say someone says, well, Kendall, your wife was born in New Jersey. She was not. I know where she was born, and I wasn't even there. But she was born in Hutchinson, Kansas. And I know all of you are thinking, what good thing ever came out of Hutchinson, Kansas? Tammy did. But no, you look at that. I know that. So you can't get me to believe something else. I know what the truth is there. If you tell me, now you might tell me where some of you, you know, 
I don't know, you didn't, you didn't benefit as well. Some of you were born in Oklahoma and Arkansas and all kinds of places. No, you look, so it is what, but we know, if I know the truth, you're not going to fool me. What about if I don't know the truth? Well, then I guess I really don't have any ground to stand on if I disagree with you. Because I don't know the truth. Now, I'm going to tell you what, in physical things, your first song, This World's Not My Home, reminds me of this. I don't know how to determine what the truth is. I don't know how to determine what the truth is. I mean, if you turn on the news or you get on social media sites and you try to figure out what the truth is, good luck. Because I'm not sure any of them know how to spell a word, let alone speak the truth. And sometimes the truth is so hidden you couldn't find it if you wanted to. A needle in a haystack would be easy compared to find the truth in the matter. And so I'm so thankful for God's Word because we can know what the truth is. So when someone teaches something, that's not what the book says. You know, I'm, I'm going to give you one that I think is interesting. I'm going to turn while I'm talking about it, and then I'll tell you where it is. And um, then you're going to be able to turn there too. But a real big um, statement that I hear made religiously, I just heard it on TV today flipping through the channels. And it was at the end of a religious program, and here's what it says. Now, all you got to do today is believe in Jesus and say this sinner's prayer and you'll be saved. And I'm thinking, where do you find that in the Bible? You, you know, I only find the word prayer and sinner in one passage. So there's only one time the Bible ever mentions a sinner's prayer. Did you know that? Only one time. Now, you can grab your... Bibles, I'm going to read it to you. I'm going to slow down instead of just quoting it. I'm going to read it to you. John 9 and verse 31. Now, this is what the Bible says about the sinner's prayer. Well, let's see. I'm going to be, this is going to be interesting, isn't it? And we know that God does not hear sinners. What? So, if you're a sinner and praying a sinner's prayer, God doesn't even hear it. I don't make it up. It says it. God does not hear sinners. Now, if anyone's God-fearing and does His will, that means they're not a sinner. So a sinner's prayer is not going to do him any good. Now, we, if we had time, we'd turn over to James, but the prayer of a righteous man avails much. I just get tired of people saying things that the Bible exactly says is not true. And the religious world as a whole gets sucked into that. Because here's what happens. If 90% of the people teach that the lies the truth, then you know what? Everyone thinks it's the truth, even though it's not the truth. I don't care how many people say it. That doesn't make it the truth. What God says is the truth. So I think about how important this is to understand what goes on here and who we are and what we must be. So when you look at this passage here in Titus, and we'll get ready to start wrapping this up a little bit here in Titus chapter 1, he says they turn away from the truth. Hey, I never did get that passage read that I turned to, did I? Let's go back to uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4. I thought I got carried away before I read it. 2 Timothy chapter 4 Starting at verse 1, our point comes a few verses in. He says, but I solemnly charge you. Does that sound like a pretty serious command or order? I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus. Uh-oh. That sounds like pretty big witnesses. You know, whenever I perform a wedding ceremony, 
When I join those people together, I say, I'm now going to pronounce you husband and wife by the authority vested in me by the state of Missouri, because if you're in Missouri, you have to have that authority. But more importantly, I'm going to join you together by the authority that God has given me in the book. And so you think about that. So he's going to solemnly charge us in the presence of God, who is the judge of the living and the dead. He's going to judge everyone who ever was. And by his appearing in his kingdom. Then he says, preach the word, be ready in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. I have a hard time just reading by that without really hammering it, but I'm going to. For the time will come when they will not endure. Sound. I don't want to hear that stuff. I tell you what, I can pick a few subjects that most people don't want to hear that the Bible talks about. They don't want to hear it. It's still what it says. But wanting to have their ears tickled, the New American Standard says, they accumulate to themselves teachers according to their own desires. And this is why I went to this passage, turning their ears from the truth, and they turn away from this. Isn't that what he said, don't do in the passage in Titus? Hmm. You know, there are people, they're, they're, they're amazing. There's people that are scared of the number 13. Well, I tell you what, I don't know if you're buying donuts, 13 is better than 12. Okay? Or people somehow think this number 666, if you go to the store and they ring it up at $6.66, oh, oh, no! What? Do understand that number, and I, I don't get people don't understand this, in prophecy, seven is the number for God, divine perfection, and six is a number for man. You know, you can stack up all the men you get. Do you ever get a seven? You don't get God. I don't care how many men agree with you. And understand when he wrote the book of Revelation, who are they worshiping? The emperor. And I don't care how many men you stack up. They're nothing compared to God. That's all the number really means. So don't get lost. People have lied to people about that. Why are you afraid of that number? I, if, it, if, if every time they ring up... 888, they give it to me for 666. I'm good with that. I'll take the sixes in that way. I mean, I don't know why. But the Bible, we have to know what the Bible says. And, what, and you know what? It takes time to study it, doesn't it? And when you're first a Christian, whoa, some of them things are tough to figure out, aren't they? Because you don't know it all. You never know it all. But you don't know enough to really be able to decipher it all and to be able to understand what it says. So we study with people who can help us with that and help us to grow in those things. So we're not to pay attention to these things and we're not to turn away from the truth. You guys know I was just at, at camp over at Gateway Area Bible Camp this week. Um, I, I don't know. I, I did have the schedule in my pocket the other day, but I don't have it in my pocket anymore. So do you know they get up and we go to breakfast? Well, they do a few things, clean some cabinets and stuff first. But when we get to breakfast, you know, before they eat breakfast, someone reads a passage, scripture to them, reads and has a prayer. And then we get done with breakfast and uh, we go up and we have uh, a bunch of singing and a devotional lesson that one of the boy campers um, prepared and gives. And then they break up and they go to a Bible class. And then they have canteen. A lot of people that have never been to camp don't even know what canteen. That's refreshment time. That's a soda and some candy. And then they go back to another Bible class. Now, we're only about to 10 o'clock. Man, these people have been in church to death. No. 
No, and, and I mean, I can go on and tell you how the schedule runs out. And you know the last thing they're doing before they go to bed? Before they go back to their cabins, they're going. Now, this is where you know you got city folks dealing with camp because they're building a fire in this kind of heat. But they have a campfire thing, and, and someone brings a lesson, and they sing a bunch of songs. Well, you know what? If you want to turn away from the truth, that's the wrong place to go is to Bible camp because they're just going to keep giving you the Bible. Now, let me tell you what, as important as that is, if I'm going to send my kids or my kids to Bible camp for that to be what it is, you know, it's important for when people come here to where we as the Franklin County Church of Christ meet right here in Gray Summit, that they're going to get the Bible. And we're going to make sure they get the Bible. Oh, can we joke around and have fun? We sure can. And we eat pretty well, too. But what we do, and is most important to us, is we want to turn to the truth and not away from the truth. So we're going to sing an invitation song today. And if there's anyone here, any brother or sister in Christ who hasn't been living according to God's Word, you can come forward and confess that before the church. And you can ask God to forgive you. And you can ask the brethren to pray for you. And... If you confess and repent, God will forgive you. And, but if you're not a Christian, it's still the same. It's just like with Tim just on Wednesday. Here's what it takes. And he knows he is standing right here in this little baptistry. And I ask him a question. And when I ask him a question, do you believe in the Second Amendment of the Constitution? No, I did not. I asked Tim, Tim, do you believe Jesus Christ, the Son of God? He said, yes, I believe Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Then I said a few words that we'd already studied together. So now, Tim, I'm going to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit for the forgiveness of your sins. If you need the passage, right over there in Matthew chapter 28. And Tim was buried under water, but somehow come in contact with the blood of Christ. And his sins were washed away. And Acts 2 and verse 47, after verse 38, Peter said, that's how you receive the forgiveness of sin, by repenting and receiving the forgiveness of sin. And then you know what Tim was added to? He didn't join it. He was added by Jesus, verse 47 of Acts 2, to Christ's church. Not some man-made religion, the church of who? Of Christ. And you can do that today. And you can have your name written in the book of life, and you can have a reservation in heaven. You can't get there without a reservation. If we can help you this morning, please come as we stand and sing.